This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Kim Grinnells of Dogman.com with Chris Fetters, Scott Eklund. We are at about the 45-yard line, high up in the visiting coaches' box in Husky Stadium, where Washington defeated Boise State 56-19 to in front of a crowd announced at 67,400-plus. Temperature at game time, liars. It's, they're saying it was 78 degrees. What well, game time it was. You no, know, in the shade, maybe in front of the cool fan, but... Um, no, it, it, it got hotter. It got warmer as the game yeah. went on. Yeah, no, I mean, it was it was warm down on the field. I'm guessing it was above 90 down on the field. And, uh, you know, with the way the stadium is set up, and Coach DeBoer talked about this when somebody asked him one time, you know, early in spring, because Washington was right in the sun, mm-hmm. and Boise was in the shade the entire I game. I know, he wants to switch No, he sides. wants to switch them. Yeah. Yeah. Be, Don't be surprised if that happens. Yeah, but then that's a problem too in the wintertime where it stays a little bit warmer over there. Not um, that much. Warmer. I think that's a trade off that they're willing to accept. Yeah, well, it's not going to be hot next week. I mean, what do you get? One one hot game of the year? No, you usually mm. get three. Last year they had three. Yeah. I don't know. We got people scrambling for the Weather Channel yeah. now. See what, <laughs> see what it says. Yeah. Uh, Washington off to a little bit of a slow start. Uh, was it two or three three and outs right off the bat? Two. Two. Two right off the bat. But they had three. I think they had three in the first quarter yeah so not, or, they, there, there was or three three in the first half there was one in the there was one three and out to start this and then they got a first down but then they yeah faltered and so yeah and just kind of wild you know Jeremy Bernard back taking the over uh, opening kick and he takes what back 50 yards 51 yards and they weren't able to do anything boy did he look dynamic returning kicks mm-hmm Yep, yeah, yeah, but uh, you know, you knew at some point that uh, Washington was going to turn it on with Michael Penix, and he sure did, indeed. Well, you, yeah, I mean, you start watching it, and you're just like, okay, guys, let's go. Um, but you know, it, it seemed like he was just off because there was that one throw to McMillan that should have been about a what, fifty-eight, fifty-five yard touchdown, whatever it was, and uh, he just overthrows the guy and. And but then he started to dial it in, and then you, you know you see later on he throws that laser to Jalen Polk, and, and so you know you knew it was going to happen. You had a good feeling it was going to happen, but it was like, all right, when are we going to start kicking this thing into gear? And Boise State, give them credit, they were playing pretty well. It was kind of funny post game. We're in there, and um, Michael was next to Jalen McMillan, and somebody asked um, uh, Michael about that, and he started smiling because he knew that Jalen could hear him go. He didn't want it. He just didn't want it, and then they started going back and forth. It was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. So. Well, it's and it's a play that we've seen them make so many times before. In a lot of ways, you almost feel like it's going to become routine that they're going to do it again. So when they don't connect, it's almost more of a shock than when they do connect. Well, they had a lot on Jalen McMillan's plate today. He got a touchdown pass. He got a regular pass. He, put, he, he, he played quarterback. He ran it up the middle for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. He threw a pass. He returned a punt. You know, it's just yeah. – he was doing everything. Today. What else is in his arsenal? Yeah, two two touchdown passes. He was the only of the three 
starters, I guess, at wide receiver. He was the only one that didn't have 100 yards, but he had two touchdowns. Well, and when you, and, and when, Kim, when you say he, when, he, when he was playing quarterback, he really was playing quarterback because typically on those double passes, it's literally there's one read and you throw it and it's down the field because you found the bust in the coverage and, you know, the, the secondary has been peaking in the backfield and it's an easy play. He had to actually make a read on that. And DeBoer, Kayla DeBoer talked about it after the games. Like, yeah, he made a great play on that because Boise State actually kind of had the play snuffed out a little bit, and he was still able to get a first down out of it. So yeah. uh, not only was that a good play for Jalen McMillan and overall, but that's also a big play for them because now that it's on tape, the defenses have to look for it, and this is where maybe they can run a play off of that too. I'm on the sidelines for every game. That throw that Michael Penix made to Jalen Pohl, I would say it was the best pass I've ever seen him make. He threw that right in stride. He had no margin for error. He was right against the sidelines. Mm-hmm. That may have been the best throw I've ever yeah, seen him pretty. make. you saying that's a better pass than the one to Taj Davis yes. in Oregon? Yeah, yeah. Because I'm convinced that Michael didn't see the safety on that one. <laughs> I'm convinced he didn't okay. see it. And that con- one, he that one, that that was just the thing. Of and beauty. I'm convinced half the quarterbacks in the NFL couldn't make the throw that Penix made to Taj Davis last year. Well, that throw was pretty but, amazing. But that one was an amazing throw. Yes. Yeah, I'd say that there was a lot more luck involved in the one with Taj Davis. This one was, I think, was. All skill. I mean, that was just, you couldn't throw a more perfect pass. And, yeah, I and, agree. Uh, and it was right in stride. I mean, it was perfectly thrown. Yeah, Jalen Polk, uh, he, he looked good today. I, mm-hmm. What did we get? Five? Uh, Three receptions, 101 yards. Yeah, so they had. And then one long touch. But it's kind of an old formula. It's like, you know, they had to have the game kind of come to them a little bit. They didn't, they didn't have to press. You know, the coaches kept telling them, just execute. Just we have the things in place to make it happen. But when McMillan and Odunze had to kind of wait for the game to come to them, that's where Jalen Polk made a lot of hay like he did against Michigan State last year, for instance. And he did that. You know, McMillan had the big catch against Michigan State early last year, but it was Polk that ended up with three touchdowns. So it's, it's to have three guys that could potentially go for 1,000 yards is pretty remarkable in and of itself. And they almost had all three of those guys go for over 100 yards today. You got to think that you know these coaches and even the Boise State fans. I mean, they were able to hang with Washington for a little bit, but boy, when Michael Penix heats up, we've seen so many quarterbacks play against Washington where you just feel that they can't stop them. You know, today we saw um, one playing for Washington that you didn't think you could stop. Yeah, he he was just dialed in. I would say after that first quarter and a half, back basically. First quarter and a half, after that, he was dialed in the rest of the way and, and uh, was pretty much unstoppable. Chris, on third down, I mean, we've been doing this since 97. You've been watching the Huskies since you were a little kid on third and seven, third and ten. Is there a quarterback that you're more comfortable with converting than ever in you know, watching Husky football or more confident in than Michael Panics? You just, um, you're not that uncomfortable with him on those downs. No, he, he's probably the most comfortable, but I would say that in a different way, I would. I was really comfortable with Marcus Tuiasasoba, yeah. but he would do it in a different way. He would create. He would find. He was a better passer than I think a lot of people would give him credit for. But with Panics, it is just different because of the people that are around him. Because while Marcus had guys like Jeremy Stevens and he had Elstrom and 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 Hooks and, and Jurgens and and yeah, and some of those guys. The, the the targets that Michael Penix has to work with. I mean, if you had Mark, if Marcus Tuiasasoba had those guys to work with back in the day, holy hell, that would have been an amazing group. Because 
you know, Penix doesn't have to run, and, and he's going to try to avoid it for the most part because he can get the job done throwing the ball. But with Marcus Tuyasasobo being the dual threat guy that he was back in the day, and really almost ahead, not so much ahead of his time, but really at the top of his game, I can't even imagine. It just seems like, again, that um, wide receivers, I don't know how they get as wide open as they do. It's just the route combinations, and it's the fact that Michael Penix has proven that he can throw the ball anywhere on the field and find the guys anywhere on the field. And it's, I mean, there was there was one that um, Penix made the decision to throw it. Who did he throw it? Who did he end up throwing it to when Rome had just gone right down the middle and he was about five yards behind the guy that... Um, well, I can't remember. I think it was an incomplete pass to maybe McMillan or one of yeah. the people down here. But, I mean, I kept telling people on the boards early on, I said... Once it became clear that Boise State wasn't that concerned about keeping things in front of them down the field, they had, they had everything between the hash marks for them deep because a lot of it was one-on-one coverage, and all, he had to, all Penix had to do was just lead them and keep the ball on the inside part where the, where the receivers could run into them, and that part was open all day long. Is it me, or did I just not notice it? Because I have a different angle and looking through a camera lens, but... The first couple of series, it didn't look like they were doing a lot of pre-snap motion. I didn't pay that close attention. Um, they did a little bit, but not a lot. Not as much as they were later in the game, I will say that. Yeah, it just didn't seem like they were doing it as much. Well, I think, you know, and, and this is not, I mean, this would be conjecture, obviously. But I just get the sense that first game out, trying to find the flow. I think Ryan Grubbs trying to maybe not so much keep it simple or vanilla. But I think he's trying to just work on the concepts that they know inside and out, backwards and forwards. And I think that when they start to add some of those things as you get into the real meat of the season, I think that's where you'll see a lot more of the kind of the shifts and motions to try to take advantage, not just what they put on tape, like on days like today, for instance, but then they'll also combine that with what they've seen from the other team's defense. Michael Penix, 29 of 40 for 450 yards. Five touchdowns. One short of a school record. Yeah, long of 50. He was well, to tie the school record. And right, well, to tie the school record of six. Yeah. One thing I don't know if you're aware of or not, but uh, evidently it was he, had a, he got sacked once. First, he did, first, first right in the beginning. First time he's ever been sacked in Husky Stadium. Oh, that might be true. Yeah, yeah. yeah first time he's ever been sacked in Husky Stadium. I didn't even think about that. But it was, but again, it was kind of a scramble. He kind of scrambled into it. Yeah. So it was just kind of weird. Yeah, you know. But uh, twelve thirty start on the West Coast, and it was on ABC. So a lot of the Heisman voters who maybe not get a chance to see the West Coast, they got an up close and personal Michael Penix throwing for four fifty and five touchdowns. Good debut in a Heisman round. Well, yeah. and on top of it, they they had a Heisman Trophy winner doing the color with Robert Griffin the third, who apparently looked like he split his pants jumping off a boat into the bay into Lake Washington. Mm. Um, but to have a Heisman Trophy winner do that, and 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 obviously I'm going to have to look at the, the the TV copy to see exactly the things he was saying about Penix. But how can you not, you know, love what Michael Penix did in front of a guy like that, who's clearly going to be nothing but effusive, effusive, I would imagine. Yeah, and just you know, uh, pregame got a chance to talk to one of the all-time quarterbacks at University of Washington. I think one of the most underrated guys, Cody Pickett, was here with his family. So mm-hmm. it was good to see. 
uh, good to see Cody. And I was talking to him, he goes, crap, I got to go over and do Boise radio. I go, no, you don't. <laughs> so he went over and did it. Cody's still a big deal in Boise. So um, it was good to see Boise. Just taking a look at a few other offensive stats. Uh, Jalen McMillan had eight, uh, 11 targets, eight receptions for uh, 95 yards. And of the 95 yards, 42 of them were after a catch. And he had two touchdowns with a long of 38. Uh, Romo Dunsey targeted eight times with seven carries for 132 and a touchdown. Jack Westover, um, five catches, five targets for 59 yards and a 21-yard touchdown. Um, Jack looked at one point, I asked him afterwards, I don't know if you thought, saw this, but he was coming right at me and he kind of had that look like he was ready to jump over the guy. Oh, yeah. And I asked Jack. Benners was talking about that. I no, asked, no, he did. He totally looked like he was going to hurdle him. I asked him if he was thinking about hurling it. He, he laughed at me. He goes, the trainer said I couldn't jump over people anymore. Yeah, <laughs> so. no. I mean, he looked at, like, was it Texas or was it another game where he tried to yeah. hurdle a guy and he ended up almost going right over his, right over yeah. his skis. Yeah, Jeremy Bernard, uh, nice debut. Three, uh, three catches for 47 um, yards and 37 of those were uh, after the catch. And he had that dynamic kick return to open the game. Uh, Dylan Johnson with three receptions. And Josh Cuevas had a touchdown pass from Dylan Morris. And just a note, I, um, I don't know if you guys heard me talk about this, but when I talked to Michael uh, Penix postgame, I like to ask Mike his favorite play of the game. And he said his favorite play of the game was the pass that um, Dylan Morris threw to mm-hmm. Josh Cuevas because he said, you know, he just deserves it. He's earned it. He's worked so hard. He's pushed me so hard. And he's just such a great teammate. So that was his favorite play of the game. That's great. And I put a note out there. Do you know what Dylan Morris's current quarterback rating is, Kim? Michael Penix is over is like around 201, 202 right now. Yeah. What do you think Dylan Morris is? Uh, 640.8. What's Jalen McMillan's? Oh, I don't know, but it's pretty high too. But, well, I think it's over. I think it's over. Yards and he didn't go for a touchdown. But I still think it might be over Michael. I don't. I don't know. We have to see. I'd have to check. Yeah, we'll have to check that with Jalen. So, um, good day for the offense, and uh, Devin Culp didn't have a big day today. But uh, I think they're kind of laying in the weeds with Devin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they well, targeted him a couple times, but but obviously the one thing that we have to address that was a drawback was the run game. I mean, they yeah. struggled running the ball. DeBoer was obviously asked about it after the game. And unfortunately, the only answer he can really give is is that when you lose your number one running back in Cameron Davis, it almost puts them back at square one where they were at the beginning of last year. And they talked so much about how they wanted to be ahead of the game with their run game because they figured that teams would try to take the pass game away from them. Well, as we saw today, Boise State apparently didn't listen to him at all. Well, they did early on. Well, yeah, those first two drives they took. It but away. again, if you listen to DeBoer or talk to some of the players, they were really talking about that was more us versus us. That was like an execution issue with us. We were either a little rusty or we just weren't getting into the flow and figuring things out. And there might be some things that Boise State did as wrinkles to try to get them off their spot a little bit. But bottom line is run game's got to improve. I think Will Nixon was a real bright spot in that. But I don't think anyone else outside of that, out of that room, is is covered in glory at all right now. Yeah, Will Nixon six carries uh, for forty eight yards, and he had a long of twenty one. Uh, Jalen McMillan has one carry for nineteen yards for the touchdown. Uh, Dylan Johnson has seven carries for a net twelve yards, and that really needs to pick up. Daniel Nada had um, one yard 
uh, one carry for five yards. So well, Dylan Johnson did have the touchdown, though. Yeah, Sam Adams had a carry as well for three yards, but that's oh, definitely minus, minus three yards. Minus three yards. That's, that's something that definitely needs to be worked yeah. on. That, would you say that was more a factor of the talent at running back or the offensive line? Well, my personal opinion on it is, is I think obviously Grubb, Ryan Grubb would want more balance in, in an ideal world, but the feeling on the outside is, at least my opinion, is if you've got a Heisman Trophy candidate and three receivers that could easily go for 1,000 yards this year, why would you ever go away from that? Well, ever. My thing is, Kim asked what he attributes it to, and I would say obviously it's a combination of both, but there are a couple that when they get in, the, they get in and watch the film – Lee Marks is going to chew his guys out because they had some missed opportunities, missed holes that they that were open for run for big running lanes, and they didn't take it. Yeah, away. Scott, I was going to say you mentioned during the game because we were talking about guys that we've been used to seeing over the years. You started with Chris Polk, you go to Bishop Sankey, you go to Miles Gaskin, you go to Savon Ahmed. These are all guys that you could really just look at their vision. And they just had a sense of knowing where to go, how to where the where they needed to jump cut to find the holes, to find open space. And right now, it does not look like they have a instinctual running back in that group. Tybo Rogers might be that guy, yeah. and and I think we might find out next week against Tulsa if they get that far ahead. We might be able to see a little bit of Tybo Rogers because um, I know we saw some other true freshmen today. Uh, like Devin Bryant, for instance. But bottom line is, if, if they need to find that in a hurry because there are going to be a lot better secondaries out there that they're going to be going up against. Not necessarily next week. And I don't know about Michigan State. I have to still look at them. But bottom line is, they, they've got to find more of a balance to, to make their thing go the way it, it should. You notice anything with uh, Parker Brailsford out there, Scott? Um. You know, I saw a couple good blocks from him, and I saw him struggle at times. But, you know, for the most part, I didn't see anything that was totally egregious. I think Scott Huff, honestly, I think he'd be really, really pleased. I mean, I'm sure they'll – obviously, they'll break down the tape. They'll grade it, all that stuff. But I think when you look at both the guard situations, he had Brailsford and Garen Hatchett playing guard. He had uh, both uh, Nate Kalepo and and Julius Bulow playing uh, left guard. And then they even had situations where Brailsford was playing center and had Hatchet play the right guard. And so they had some combinations and things. They were able to get a lot of tape, and I think they were able to get a lot of things done with that. So I think we'll see probably in the next couple of games maybe that rotation tighten up a little bit. But at least in the first game, it was good to see those guys get as many reps as they could because that's they've earned it. Um. I mean, the font's so small, I can't read it. Did you notice any uh, participation by any of the true freshmen today? I didn't. Well, well yes. I mentioned Devin Bryant. Devin Bryant, he was the main one. Okay. Yep. How many snaps hit ballpark? Oh, he, he finished. He was like in the last, yeah, he was in the last couple series, I think, for against yeah. Boise. Yeah. So, yeah, I think he was the main one that I remember. Um, I'm trying to think if there was anyone else. There wasn't. There Obviously, there was a ton of newcomers, but they were older guys like Darren Barkins or Thaddeus uh, Dixon. Or uh, Jalen McCutcheon. Jalen McCutcheon. Not Dyson, Dyson, Dyson McCutcheon. 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 Um, it, you know, and uh, like, you know, some of the transfers like Josh Cuevas obviously played with the touchdown. Um, Jabbar Muhammad obviously started. Jalen Clem. Jalen Clem Barkins. was able to get some stuff. and talked about Darren Barkins. 
Thaddeus um, Dixon got in. Yeah. Uh, Jamie on Green. Tons of, yeah, Jamie on Green. Tons of guys got in on defense the final couple series. Yeah. Tons of guys. Yeah. Oh. Drew, Drew Fowler played quite a bit. Yeah, some of the walk-ons. Fowler did. Brad McGann, Bradley McGannon played some. But, I mean, Fowler was in there during the game, like and, in the real part of the but game. But, like, Sakai, Asuafoa, yeah. he played a ton yeah. today. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Over on the defensive side of the ball, I thought the best player on the field uh, was Devon Banks today. But I wouldn't, I don't doubt that at all. Um, I thought Eddie could, could definitely be up there too. He finished with six tackles, had the only sack on the day. Um, but yeah, I mean, Devon Banks, four, four breakups, two tackles, um, looked good in everything that I saw. Yeah, I think it's, it's going to be tough with that front because the front was really asked to contain more than anything. Mm-hmm. So when you are in that kind of a situation, guys like Trice and ZTF aren't going to flash quite as well as they might normally. But, you know, the, the one guy that you were afraid to jinx, I thought had a monster game. Yeah. That's Asa Turner. Asa Turner had a I thought Asa game. had a really strong game. The guy that actually he goes by Asa on the back now. And oh. I don't know if you saw that. It just says Asa on the back. Oh, was oh, that because that was because of his dad? He I think so. He yeah. Did last year. Yeah. But it's, it's just interesting to see because it's really difficult to read their names in the back now. Because the letters are so tightened up, but the numbers are actually, they look bigger. Yeah. So in the, it's only like a little give and take there. I thought Jabbar Muhammad looked really good, too. Um, he had a good game. He definitely did. The only guy who really, that I think just really, really struggled today was Elijah Jackson. I mean, he had, what, two or three pass interferences. He, he got singled out by the fans on the game day yeah. really quickly. Well, I mean, the thing is, I don't think it's invalid. I think he had a real struggle today. But you got to also remember, this is his first time seeing extensive playing time because yeah. he was hurt for pretty much well, all that. Well, and, and that's the thing. It's like if, if it's an effort penalty, like if it's a, a pass interference or something like that where it's a bang-bang play and, and it's it's a subjective call, that's one thing. But when you completely like blow or bust a coverage, things like that, like on the screenplay, the one I think they scored on, yeah. the 50-yarder, that looked like a complete bust. And I don't know if he was the one that busted it. But one of the deep, one of the secondary guys busted it. Well, you talk about Elijah Jackson taking it from the fans. I'll, I'll tell you what player's going to catch it from his teammates because he's this is going to be a long night. I'm going to catch a lot of hell tonight as he's walking off the field. Carson Broner. Oh, because he didn't <laughs> score. Yeah, dude, I mean, that quarterback is ridiculous. It doesn't matter. You know, you know he's going to. He says they're going to be brutal. At one point, when it was him and Green, and he all he had to do was try to either elude him or whatever. He 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 looked like he gave up pretty quickly and almost just tried to spear him to maybe try to run him over. And maybe if he ran him over, he could just get yeah. into the end zone that but, way. But we've talked to Carson, and you know how football players are going to rub it in. It doesn't yeah. matter. It yeah. doesn't matter. They're going to rub it in and. 
Uh, it was, I'm glad for Carson. He's one of the best kids yes, on is. the team. Yeah, plays real hard. The coaches love him. Said he's one of the fastest guys in the room. Yep. And uh, but I'm sorry, Taylor Green's just really, really fast. And he's so, big. And he's big. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, Cam Fab, Cameron Fabi Kulan, and had an yep. interception I, as well. I, you know, a lot of I got texts from people. I take back everything I said about Cameron Fabi Kulan, and he, he, because he had to play the game. What I gave the play of the game. Yeah. And that was the the pickoff of uh, Taylor Green. Washington's up 21 9. Um, they need to extend that drive. I mean, if, if he doesn't make that play and they complete that and are able to go down and score, now you're talking about 21 16 and Boise State coming out in the second half with the first first possession. And as we know, they scored all that. Yeah. So, you know. Um, yeah, I, I thought um, that play was unbelievable, and I thought it was the play of the game. And, Kim, just to add to that, because you were listening to DeBoer when he was talking about that play, and he says, I don't know if he was I don't know if he was characterizing it as one of those things where all of a sudden it just comes together and the, and the coaches are almost calling what's going to happen before the play happens, because I doubt that that happens the way they would want it. But he basically he goes, when I'm on the headset and Chuck Morell's basically game, yeah, we should get this picked. You know, based on what happened, yeah. it literally happens. It's like that's that's got to be a pretty pretty good feeling when all those things come together and all the coaching gets translated to the players and they uh, execute on the on the field. That must be that must feel really good. That's a good football team out there today, Scott. Yes, I, I mean, Boise State. They're not a bad team. Well, they're picked to win the Mountain West. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's a that's a they're a solid B on the on the scheduling. I think. Yeah, I mean, they're going to give Wazoo hell, hell next year and Oregon State. Next week, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. Um, my phone's ringing. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> uh, turnovers, two. Two today. Yep, so. got two picks. One from Cam Fab and one from uh, Carson Bruner. And actually, uh, should have had at least one more, right? Uh, Javon Banks should have yeah. had a pick, but it was actually a good play by the Boise yeah. receiver but there was to kind of knock it down. Fumble too. Well, there was that, and then well, Rome had a fumble, mm-hmm. which he was able to How immediately he bounce got on that it. back. I, I, I think it was because it literally bounced off the yeah. guy almost right back and to right him. back into his, his bread basket. Yeah. yeah, so there could have been a couple more turnovers in this game, uh, depending on how obviously it bounced. It was the one where there was also the kickoff. Where uh, Zion had to change his jersey, and like him and and uh, Tristan Dunn, I think they had to change their jersey like every time there was a kickoff or a cover. And there was one where he looked like he could have actually gotten the fumble, but then I think they were saying that the player, the Boise was player, down. was down. So who knows? But there was certainly some bounces. That, how about that hit by Maurice Hines? Um, yeah, I think that. I mean, that's that was assault with a deadly weapon. Oh, I mean, he gosh. Hines fifty seven baby saucy. Yeah, that was saucy. The thing is, I don't even think. I mean, he was trying to make the tackle, but his shoulder is what hit the guy, and it just looks. And Bruder and Bruder had another had a big hit on the next kickoff, yeah. if I remember right. Yeah, and Jack McAllister with a good game today. The punt. Yeah, yeah, thought he had a great game. Five punts, averaged forty one point eight. Had a long of 48 and dropped three inside the 20. He, he really helped with the field position, I thought. And Grady Gross, first game as the place kicker for the Huskies. For him to come out, kick all his PATs, didn't even have to worry about a field goal attempt. I think he kicked at least half the kickoffs into the end zone. Yep. Um, I, think I think it was four. Some of, and some of it was, some of it was uh, the advantage because they were going into the wind, whether it was east or west. 
But uh, really, really good game for them. Like I said, when I was doing my predictions, I really thought that Boise State was going to have the edge on special teams. But as it turned out, Washington played a really good field position game for the most part. They were able to get some decent field possession via uh, special teams with, like, uh, (coughs) Jeremy Bernard getting the the opening kickoff and what have you. Um, But really, when it came down to it, Washington's special teams was really solid. Except for the the biggest mistake was the running into the kicker. Well, well, and again, that's Turner. I mean, if you were going to say Asa had a problem, that would have been the one play. But again, listening or at least reading the remarks on the message board because we didn't see it live. Um, as far as like up close and personal, it sounds it sounds like the the, the punter was a little savvy. Yeah, he left or his the leg kicker. Out. Yeah, it was a little he left savvy. His leg out. But then he jumped. Yeah, and all. And so you know. Okay, on sorry. that because we were talking on the sidelines, a lot of the guys down there. Number one said it was tipped. That's what a lot of people said. And, and number two, it sounded like their interior offensive lineman just absolutely pulled down the interior rush. I mean, pulled them down to the ground. So wait, you're saying the Pac-12 referees didn't do a very good job today? God. (laughs) Yeah, we'll have to have a discussion at some point. um, Because... I mean, the committee, they convened down here on the potential uh, safety with the the grounding play. I mean, that was impressive. I I mean, we'll get into this at another time, but there's there's some concerns with what's going on on the Pac-12 that nobody's going to be working by the end of the season. And how are things going to work, you know, at the end of the season when nobody's working in the offices because everybody's looking for another job? So some interesting uh, things to uh, talk about on that, but we'll save that for another podcast. But impressive win by Washington, a little bit of a slow start, but uh, first game of the year. But I think overall, uh, I think it was an A effort. I think it was definitely an A effort because I think Boise State's a really good football team. I do too. I, I think it's a great way to start the season. Um, looked a little little hit and miss at the very beginning, but yeah, I mean the last two and a half quarters, almost three full quarters, Washington just kind of turned it up, turned it up a notch or two, and and just outclassed them. And it also looks as though they came through this game unscathed. Then I don't see. Well, anybody. yeah, Fa- uh, Fabi Kalanen was the only one on the field that looked like he kind of got digged up, and I don't, I don't know, I don't remember if he came back in or not. So. Uh, well, I mean, if he was hurt, he wouldn't have done post game interviews, and he right. did post game interviews, and right. also ZTF was in the uh, tent for a little bit, but uh, they seemed to wrap up his ankle and uh, he came back in, so he might need a little bit of treatment. But other than that, it looked like they came through yeah. the game unscathed. It looked like Boise State did as well, did they? Uh, they had a few guys that got dinged up, but I don't think it was anything serious. Yeah, just before the game, I had a chance to say hi and talk for a couple minutes to Bush Hamden. It was good to see Bush. You know, it's uh, kind of a thing where he's familiar with this and he really enjoyed his time here, you know, but, uh, you know, he's a potential uh, head coaching candidate at Boise at some point if Avalos does well enough, but uh, it was good to see Bush Hamden. Yeah. Speaking or, or, or reading it third hand from our people who were going over to the Boise State message boards, it doesn't sound like he's going to have a very warm welcome when he gets back to town. Okay. Well, doesn't sound like they were pleased at all with how the offensive well, game Well, the went. offensive coordinator is always the easiest pinata uh, there is. But also, uh, speaking of Boise, and uh, had a chance to see Cody Pickett. Uh, John Anderson uh, was there with his family. It was good to see John. Cool. Um, was he on the sideline? Yeah. He nice. came down for a little bit. There and, you go. Uh, had a had a really great dinner with with Mr. Andy last night. So uh, yeah, it was good to see Andy in town. And uh, anything you could share? We had a really nice dinner. Okay, really nice with Andy and his son and one of our other friends, and uh, just a real class act, class family. So um, 
It was good. The crab cakes at the Met were fabulous, and the steak was fabulous. Oh, you and, went to the Met. Yeah. Sorry, you'll never live that down. Yeah. Why? Because we should have been there. You got steak night at my house, which is probably better than that. Yeah, and you were there for that, too. (laughs) So, anyways, uh, you know, it's kind of cool. Just, you know, when you're you're looking straight ahead to fetters, tell people what you are looking at when you look straight out there. Well, I'm looking at Lake Washington, but I'm also looking at Husky State. I'm looking at the Jumbotron. I'm looking at the big W flag. I'm looking at all the the boats out on the lake, and it's still not a, a cloud in the sky, although... It does look a little smoky to the north. But when you look out at the lake with the sun on it, oh yeah, it, it is blue, baby. Yeah. It is blue. Yeah. It is blue. Yeah, I mean, it's gorgeous out there. Just look at all the boats and looking over towards Kirkland. It's, uh, it's, and it's, it was hot. It's, yeah. pretty, it's pretty nice out there. So Scott Eklund, go ahead and wrap it up. Great way to start the season. Uh, get off to a good start. Uh, guys came out mostly healthy. Uh, saw a lot of positives. But there's still a lot that they left on the table, I think. I think there's a lot of meat left on the bone for them to go out and get offensively and defensively. And I'm going to be real interested to see what they look like against Tulsa next week and then the big test against Michigan State. Because Michigan State, while I don't, I still think Washington's a better team, Michigan State is a better team than they were last year. Yeah. So, Chris Fetters, wrap it up. Yeah, a lot of what Scott just said I would, I would add to that, uh, you know, for them to end up scoring 56 points in three quarters – uh, very impressive, and I think very much what uh, a lot of Washington fans would have expected um, coming out of the gate. And again, we'll, only time will tell to see if if this is the Boise State team that we'll see going forward, or if they'll end up being a much different team, uh, depending on how things go for them in their conference. Because if they end up winning the Mountain Conference, Mount West Conference, this is this win is going to look like a real feather in the cap for the resume for for Washington going forward. If we start talking about those types of things. Uh, when you talk about Pac-12 titles, you talk about trying to get in the playoff, you try to talk about those types of things too. So overall, fantastic win. Uh, great to see them finish strong instead of necessarily start strong, which is what they did a lot last year. They're starting to add elements to their game. And I think the biggest thing, Kim, honestly, is is echoing what Kalen DeBoer said. He goes, hey, they have the resilience now. They know that they don't have to worry about the game not coming to them. If they just keep working hard and they can continue to improve, the game will come to them. They have the leaders in place in that locker room. They have the talent in place in that locker room to be able to do big things, even if they don't necessarily come out of the gate smoking. And I think that's just another facet of what Washington showed today. Big game, I think, for Washington on the national stage with USC. They beat San Jose State last week. Big deal. Uh, Oregon rolling over Portland State. But if you guys watch game day today, all of those guys pretty much said this this was going to be a tough game. It was going to be a close game. And maybe they were underestimating Washington a little bit because when you've got a Heisman candidate out here who goes and does what he did today, I think that's going to elevate them to this, you know to a little bit higher on that stage. I think it's going to open their eyes a little bit because those guys expected Washington to have a tough game with Boise State. Um, but... You know they didn't struggle at all, so I think it's going to. Well, open. I wouldn't. Well, they say struggled that. for fifteen or, minutes. Yeah, about fifteen minutes. Yeah, so. yeah. So you know, it, I think it's an impressive win, and it's going to. Uh, Michael Penick's star became a little bit brighter today with so. this with this win. So I mean, did 
he had a couple games that were over 400, but I don't know if he threw for 450 yeah. last year. I have to go back. I have to go back. Well, he had the game for over 500 yards in the Apple Cup, which was the all-time yeah. high, and then he had another game for 485, which was the second all-time high. Okay. So, um, all right, I'm guessing. So I'm, I'm off. But, I'm, ge- yeah. I'm, I'm guessing he's going to have. But he a had to work his way up to that. He's at 450 yeah. in the first game of the season. Yeah. This year. So good well, to have. Yeah. Good to have the the band back together on game day. Moni's back there taking care of photos. Josh, Josh. is out there doing some transcriptions lots of content and just uh it's going to be a great season you know off to a great start and we're running our biggest promotion another big promotion half off of your annual subscription so uh you know take a look it's what, you, what we do on the front page isn't what we do on the message boards the message what, boards is where the action is recruiting is gonna kick into high gear not just <clears throat> high school recruiting but the portal following the season you guys want to be around for that this team is going to look completely different and uh, you guys are gonna, I mean, you guys need to be up on it. And we're, 247 is the way to go. It was weird not having Jen Cohen on the sidelines. Yep. It was weird uh, not having Jen. But, um, you know, just also just wanna, you know, just compliment the Washington coaching staff. Um, the culture that they're setting here, it's really refreshing when we talk to players and coaches and they actually give us answers. I can't ever remember a team or a staff that was as good at answering questions instead of the typical coach speak that we've dealt with over the years. So it's kind of refreshing and it, it makes the job more fun when we're just not getting the stock answers. You know, I, I think that for a long time, we could just not even bother to talk to anybody post game because we could pretty much say exactly what they were going to say, which is nothing. But these guys take their time and give insightful answers. And uh, I guess it helps when you're winning. Mm-hmm. So absolutely. So, so again, just a 50% off promotion for if you're not a subscriber and, Lots of content yet to come. So for all of us at dogman.com, for Monica Samick, who is back working, and Josh Josh Vodka, Josh Vodka, intern Josh, Princess Josh is uh, back there transcribing. And uh, for Chris Fetters, Scott Eklund, I'm Kim Reynolds. Go dogs.